Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Brendan King here with us, Charlie Clifford. We are going to be joined shortly by Tom Hart. He was on the call last night in Gainesville, Florida. Many of you going about your Thursday wondering, why are we why are we checking in on what's going on between the Gators and Texas A&M? And that's when something, potentially the most bizarre moment of the college basketball season thus far arrived. Tom Hart joining us now in the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Tom, myself and my partner here, Brendan King, enjoy you every Saturday SEC Network with your great partners, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubik, and your producer, Bill Palandino. Last night, you're in the middle of this story at College Hoops. Texas A&M's ready to go. Gators are ready to go. And then what happened? Charlie, thanks for having me. Yeah, we were sitting there courtside um, with Jimmy Dykes and um, just I think it'll be interesting the layout of this, kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit. The Florida radio crew is to my left, and the Texas A&M radio crew is to my right. And uh, we're about five minutes from tip, and just kind of sitting there in our headset, and our producer says to me, to us, hey, um, I think we're going to be delayed. A&M <laughs> doesn't have its jerseys. What? I go, what, are you, what are you talking about? And I, I looked down to the A&M radio crew and the SID is sitting uh, adjacent to them. And I said, hey, y'all don't have your jerseys? <laughs> and they look at me like like they just saw a ghost. It was the first they had heard of it. Florida didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you mean they don't have their jerseys? Um, so, yeah, the, the manager, who is obviously um, at this point, panicked out of his mind oh. and distraught, um, forgot to bring the jerseys from the hotel to the arena. And I think a lot of viewers last night and people today are like, wait a second, what? you get to the arena two hours or 90 right. minutes before the game, you just, where's the hotel? How far do you got to go? <laughs> but they go through the normal warm-ups. They, don't wear, they wear shooting shirts and yeah. other shirts out there. They don't have their jerseys on until right before tip. They go back in the locker room. Jerseys are nice and clean, hanging in the locker, grab them. Coach says something, run back out there. I've never seen anything like it. Tom, Tom Hart joining us, SEC Network, ESPN. Tom, I, I think the only way to put this in any comparison, for those of us that are married, this feels like it would be the equivalent of being on the altar. The priest looks at you and says, hey, man. <laughs> Hey, hey, young man, you got that ring in your pocket, and you're just oh, oh no, where is it? Where? <laughs> hey, mom, mom, hotel, please. I mean, what did Buzz Williams? We're all familiar in the Midwest with Buzz. I think he's yeah. probably top five power rankings, like coach you'd want to sit down and just have a beer with. How did Buzz handle this, Tom? Yeah, but he's also top five coaches who you don't want to disrupt his routine. <laughs> Right. And, I mean, he has everything to the second. Um, we were joking, and, and I said, you know, Buzz is probably very chill about this back in the locker room doing yoga and not worried at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, I thought Buzz was magnificent uh, post game 
Now, I don't think it bothered them during the game. The administrative technical foul, they're down one nothing. I, I want to I circle back to how important one point can be to a college basketball team. Yeah. But post-game, um, and we had eyes on the kid at one point. He's distraught, right? And I don't know how they're going to handle it in, uh, you know, inside the program. Yeah. But Buzz stood up there, and he was asked directly about it, and he said, listen, all I can say is it's my fault because – I was a manager once, mm-hmm. and I know that if I forgot the jerseys, my coach would have said it was his fault. And just so you know, we like the jerseys to say wrinkle-free. They're hanging up in my hotel room. I usually gather them, put them on the bus, and they're there and ready to go. Now, obviously, only part of that is true, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. yes, the jerseys are hanging in a manager's hotel room so they don't <laughs> get wrinkled, and the manager brings them, throws them on the bus. And <laughs> right, them. right. But this is, I think, what's so stressful about this, and I had I tweeted this out last night, and I had dozens and dozens of former managers say, oh, my God, nightmare fuel, right? Yeah. Like, this, is, this was my nightmare as a manager, whether it's Syracuse softball or <laughs> State Hoops or whatever it is. This is a Texas A&M team that was one of the first teams left out of the NCAA tournament last year. Mm. They went on a great run in the SEC tournament. They made it to the championship game. They had two ranked wins over the weekend in Tampa. Um, They had a great finish to their season. But they were honestly one win, or if you look at it the other way, one loss away. Last night at the buzzer, Florida missed a game-tying three from about 30 feet. That goes it went, it went off the back of the rim. That goes in, they go overtime, who knows what happens. If this were a game that A&M lost by one point last year, you could honestly say the manager for getting the jerseys cost, cost them yeah. the NCAA tournament. It's crazy. That, that's crazy. Yeah. Tom, Tom Hart, our guest, ESPN, SEC Network. That is an incredible parallel that you just drew there. And... I think we can all agree, Brendan, I'm going to let you step in here. Jay Billis, who has done such a fantastic job spotlighting the thankless position of college basketball managers. How cool would it be, Tom, if we got a little feature on, hey, here's a young man who's done everything right and probably has a 99.9% you know, success rate on whatever task he's asked. And unfortunately, this this happens to him. Something tells me something cool is going to come out of this. I hope so. I really do. Um, now, in the good news department, the Texas A&M managers team did win the game the night before against Florida. <laughs> to pick up hoops game. Uh, and I'll point out, one, perhaps the only reason they won is that Torian Green, who's a, now a GA on this Florida team, who was part of the back-to-back national championship teams right. uh, with Joe Kim Noah and Billy Donovan and those guys, he decided not to play. But otherwise, it would have been a late scratch for Torian Green. Yeah. Hey, Tom, it's Brendan. Quick question for you before I ask you about basketball. I know you've had part of your career spent in baseball. I'm a minor league baseball broadcaster in South Bend with the Cubs organization. I think we know us. We have come across a guy that we have both worked with. Was Mark Haley ever a manager for you in minor league ball? Oh, my God. (laughs) Listen, Hal's now runs the South Bend Cubs uh, youth baseball program in the Performance Center. I know him very well. He's told me many stories about you. He is the best, brother. Hales and I got into a... 
uh, a little back and forth one year in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He, he was talking trash. So, uh, during BP, I went into the clubhouse and I put Icy Hot inside his hat. It was his game hat. So he didn't know that, you know, he came back in, put on his game hat, and it rolled back, and he was furious. So, But he didn't He didn't let on, right, because it's, he's such a pro. The next day, I'm calling the game in this ramshackle press box in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and my ears are kind of itching a little bit. And I look, and I'm rubbing my earlobe between innings, and there's black. So he had painted the inside of my headset with eye black. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole thing hey, went back and forth and, until – I assume you're in Winston-Salem. I only got one headset. Don't mess with my headset. It's 100%. Yeah, and it's not even a good one. It's like the same one that Corporal Klinger wore back in the day. Like was, I could land helicopters with it. Uh, it went back and forth, and finally he put a, uh, a makeshift bumper sticker on my car the final day of the season – it said something like, honk if you love dudes. <laughs> and I didn't find it. I was like, I, dude, people were honking at me nonstop. I'm like, man, it's way friendlier now that the season's over. But I didn't find it for like four days. So I think in the end, Hale's got me. <laughs> Tom Hart, ESPN, SEC Network. Uh, Tom, we hear you all season long, college football. Look, I've enjoyed your brand. You have a great mix of fun and with still bringing, you know, the top broadcast out there. You, it, it, how have you managed to have more fun with Jordan Rogers than seemingly other, any other tandem? And what do you gather about the Natty coming up on Monday night in Los Angeles? I know you have a very close eye on Georgia. Well, I appreciate uh, the kind words. I, I think sure. it's pretty simple. Um, we take the game seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And it's yeah. easy to do because um, the two guys I work with, Cole Kublick down on the sidelines, Jordan Rogers in the booth, they both played in the SEC. They are uh, they're grinders in the broadcast world. You know, they weren't high-profile guys who had anything handed to them, so they work really hard. They both watch more film than anybody I know. So when we go into coaches' meetings um, – we get a lot of great information. It helps that we primarily cover the SEC, so we see the same teams all the time, and, and we're familiar with, with all the storylines and the intricacies of that. But what that allows you to do, if if you can find a way to be on a broadcast crew where this works, is it allows you to go from having fun and being loose, and then when you identify the high leverage point of the game, or even if it's just a close game, to dial in on the X's and O's right. of the game itself. And I've, it's really hard to do, quite honestly, because it's hard to do with someone you don't know very well. It's hard to do if, if you or your partner aren't extremely well-prepared. And it's hard to be funny. It's, it's easy to be fun, but if you try to be funny on the air during a game, like I think Ian Eagle is the, one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. You watch it in a funny you game. say that his, his quietly underrated, you know, punchlines that he'll work in. It, it's so underrated, Tom. 100%. His timing is, uh, is impeccable, but he also recognizes that he's doing an NBA game or a, a game on the Yes Network with the Nets. He's, he can have as much fun as he wants. But when he's doing a Sunday afternoon NFL game that's going to 97% of the nation, people only care about down in distance, yeah. time left, and the spread. Yep. Like, that's it. They, they don't want to hear wisecracks during an NFL game. They just <laughs> want information. 
Um, and so I've learned a lot from him on how he kind of approaches that and handles that. Um, SEC fans obviously are invested. They're serious about it, but uh, they also expect to be entertained. And so hopefully we, we are able to bring some of that. ESPN's Tom Hart is with us after the Jersey debacle that he was on the call for last night, Texas A&M and, and Florida. Tom, we had a chance to see Georgia last year here in Indianapolis. Cliff and I were both at the national championship at Lucas Oil Stadium together and obviously came away with nothing but impressive factors from that Georgia was Bulldog that, team. By the way, was that the first time either one of you had seen grown men barking in public? <laughs> correct. That's correct. <laughs> on the streets of Indianapolis at 3 a.m., oh there was in, plenty of In it. negative degree. Barking. Yeah. Yeah. In negative 10 degree weather, we thought they were barking for, you know, first responders here to it was it was a wild weekend start to finish crazy yeah crazy I'm glad you brought that up but uh, Tom in your mind from, from last year's Georgia team to this year's Georgia team what's the same what's different well the obviously dif- the obvious difference is is the power that they lost on the defensive side of the ball five um, draftees most uh, you know just on one side of the ball defensively they were um, unmovable on the defensive side last year um, they lost some of that aura they lost uh, some of that talent. I think Stetson Bennett overall is better, but there are times where um, his focus and execution aren't up to standards. And there's something to be said for, you know, they didn't play a ton of close games. They they played some great games, but what was setting up to be uh, a real showdown, they, you know, took care of business with Tennessee and kind of ran yep. away with things. Um, there were moments in the semifinal where Stetson Bennett looked below average and, Kirby Smart talked about it after the game. Had you ever seen him look like that at any point, Tom? Not not him particularly. Offensively, we had their game on the road at Missouri, which is the closest game they played, okay. and I think they kind of sleptwalked into that game, and Missouri punched them in the mouth in the very first possession, and they were a little bit rattled, and it took them two and a half quarters before they got going. Sure. Um, Stetson was magnificent middle of the third quarter on. Really, fourth quarter, he was 10 of 12, a Buck ninety two touchdowns. He ended up throwing for a career high in yardage, um, but he he can't do that against TCU. Even though TCU is a major underdog, if you look in the history of, of double digit underdogs in football, there's some major upsets. Yeah. You know, starting with Joe Namath and the Jets, right? Um, there's there's a ton of them. So if they if he has a bad first half like he did last week, and they allow TCU to stick around, they're just they're asking for big, big trouble. Um, they can't afford to do that. And TCU's a team that, with Max Duggan, I think, can absolutely take advantage of them. Tom, last thing for me. I'll, first of all, I'll have to text Hales after this and tell him we, we had you on because i, I got to hear those stories from his perspective. Uh, secondly, whenever we have a announcer on, I always like asking this question about when you were coming up. I think I read, too, you're with the Tennessee Smokies, which, of course, is now a Cubs organization team, but uh, love it. Uh, who were some of the guys that took care of you and you looked up to on your way up? Oh, that's a great question. Um, numerous people throughout the minor leagues uh, did that for nine years and um, just learned a lot about how to be a professional by some of my contemporaries who were very driven to, to get to the next level. Um, but every time I reached out to a Sean McDonough or a Brad Nessler or Vern Lundquist, it was I had all of the time that they had on their hands they were willing to share with me. And it could be something as simple as, you know, having a – 
a bourbon with Vern before the SEC championship <laughs> game. and uh, That's some Mount Rushmore the stuff there, Tom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But it's the only time I stumbled home at 3 a.m. and my wife wasn't mad. So <laughs> I came into the bedroom. She's like, well, well where have you been? I said, I, I the words out of my mouth. I've been with Vern. <laughs> Take a shower. Um, yeah, so th- I, I think that those those experiences and – the reassurance when you're a young broadcaster and, and you're grinding and you're not making a lot of money and you're sacrificing weekends and all this time where other people are, are you know, going to their college friends' weddings and, and doing yeah. cool stuff, um, to, to get the reassurance that you're on the right track and that you have the talent to reach your goals um, is, is incredible fuel. Because otherwise it can be, as, as you both know, it this media industry can be very tough to uh, to keep grinding at. It can be it can be very demanding. Hey, that's well said. Appreciate that. At Tom Hart, Tom underscore Hart on Twitter. Tom, where can we catch you next? Where's the next call? Uh, Saturday night, I've got Arkansas at Auburn Let's at uh, eight thirty Eastern on the SEC Network. So top twenty showdown. And uh, if if people haven't seen the atmosphere uh, inside Auburn's arena, it is uh, it's second to none. Uh, it's incredible home court advantage. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, Coach Pearl was up here recently checking on a big fella. Uh, Flory Badunga up here, uh, a young na- a young man who skyrocketed this next class. All the best on the call there, Tom. Appreciate your stories from last night, and have a great rest of the season down there in the SEC, all right? Charlie, Brennan, thanks for having me on. You guys have a great day. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. IU and Iowa, that is where we shift our focus right now on the fan. Jeff Rabjohn's joining us on the Mower Shop in Fisher's hotline. Rabby, late tip tonight and certainly a long wait for Mike Woodson to get his team back on the floor. Woody joked 13 days off. He would have preferred to throw it back to the old days and just hunker down for Christmas and practice right through the break. What's how you been up to the last two weeks, man? Yeah, they gave the guys just a little bit of a break around Christmas. Uh, but other than that, you know, they've been practicing, working out, you know, going through film, getting ready for this game and uh, and getting ready for January overall. You know, this is this is the first game of January for them, obviously, but they've got nine Big Ten games in January. So, um, you know, where they stand uh, going into, you know, a February that should be more difficult than January, at least on paper. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a pretty important month for the Indiana basketball program. Jeff, what stands out most about this one tonight? Well, I think a couple of things from the IU perspective, you know, Tamar Bates is now in the starting lineup. And I think that that's a really, really good move by them uh, for a number of, re- number of reasons. You know, he, he's been really productive. Uh, he's fourth on the team in offensive rating at 123. So that's a really good offensive rating. Uh, you know, he's shooting 42% from three on 20 makes. So he's averaging more than a make per game while shooting better than 40%. So that's really good. And obviously with the analytics, you know, we now know anytime you get, you know, around 38% or better, uh, <laughs> you need to be taking more threes, right. not less. So 
Uh, having him out there in the starting lineup, I think, is a really good move. The other thing is interesting is, you know, he's 10 for 10 from the line. He's 13 for 13 on close twos. Hmm. So basically, any time he gets to the rim or near the rim, he's getting points for Indiana. And he hasn't been a really a big driver so far. Um, but all of us who saw him in AAU with Casey Run GMC, who saw him in high school down there at, at IMG, you know, we know he has that. You know, he has that in his in his arsenal. So now you've got somebody who's you know a bigger wing, around six foot five, got a little more of a stout build, shooting forty two percent from three, and can drive. It gives you a whole other weapon. So I think that's that's a key storyline for Indiana. Uh, the other thing is you know Trace Jackson Davis's health. You know, he's had, had a back issue that he's been dealing with basically since the Miami-Ohio game. You know, it kind of gutted it out through the Arizona and Kansas games, but uh, then they shut him down for a couple of uh, a couple of non-conference games right. uh, where they were going to, you know, handily win. So how well he plays, I think it'll be interesting. And, you know, he, he's a pogo stick off the floor. Sure. And so, so you know, when you got a back issue, it's kind of like, okay, he can play. But I think it's like, how, how good is his mobility? Um, what's his shot blocking? Like, obviously, even though, you know, he's been dealing with this, he had nine block shots in the Kansas game, the most block shots ever against a Kansas opponent. So even while hurting, you know, he's been very productive as far as being a rim protector. But I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, and then the other thing is just, you know, Jalen Hood, Shafino's got a lot on him now at point Here guard. Here we go. With, with Here we go, Rabbi. Yep. So, you know, can he go 32 minutes? Can he go 34? Can he get up to 35 or 36? I don't know, but I think we're, we're, we're going to find out because, um, and then this is, this is a really good test. You know, Iowa likes to play up-tempo. Iowa's averaging 81 points per game. They like to play fast. They play fast at home. Up-10, down-10, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They try to play the game in fifth gear. So, okay, Jalen Hedgefino, talented freshman, playing really well, um, has had a few too many turnovers when he's tried to make some risky plays, which is really uncharacteristic for him. He was really not turnover-prone in his two years at Montverde Academy. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting, okay, how much can he handle as a freshman when, you know, you don't have your backcourt mate with you, your primary backcourt mate in Xavier Johnson. you got a lot more on your shoulders now. Rabbi Woody said these are the most dangerous games. Iowa 0-3. They've won one game the past month. That was against Southeast Missouri State. And that includes yeah. the loss to Eastern Illinois. Uh, the Penn State loss was close. That was Fran McCaffrey's most recent game. Is this a bad thing to show up on the doorstep in Iowa city under these circumstances, considering you haven't played in 13 days, give us your perspective on just the timing of all this. Yeah. I mean, I think when teams are backed into a corner, if they have capable players, um, they, they do become dangerous, especially if they have a guy who you look at and say, that guy could just go off. Murray. Uh, yeah. Iowa has one of those in Chris Murray. Yeah. You know, he's six foot eight. He's averaging 20 points. 10 rebounds. Um, he can go inside and post up. He can, he can come outside and take a defender off the dribble. Um, he, he's a really, he's become so much better coming around screens as a catch and shoot guy. So he can really attack a defense in all kinds of ways. He's a guy who can go off. And the other thing with Iowa, you know, they're, they're five and zero when they make nine or more threes per game. So yeah, they've had a bad stretch. Yeah, they 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 you know the Eastern Illinois loss was awful. Penn State <laughs> loss. I don't know if that's awful. I, mean, I agree. They're better. Penn State's a lot better. And yep. you know, Penn State is. You look at the analytics. They're way out there as far as teams 
that, you know, I think they're leading power five in three-point attempts per 100 possessions, and they're way out there in number of guys shooting 35% or better from three. Uh, that's so going to work Penn, out long-term. Penn, Penn State's, I mean, Micah Shrewsbury knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, and he does, he's doing this without even a post player, really. I mean, yeah, Kevin is a freshman. Yeah, he's in there getting you eight, nine points. But, you know, that's a freshman post player. Sure. So, I don't know if Penn State loss is bad. But with, with Iowa, you know, Chris Murray's a guy who can go off, um, certainly. Uh, Philip Arracho, their 6'6", 6'9", center, he's averaging like 14 points per game. He's not a big, stout guy. Um, but he's good with quick moves in the post. And then Tony Perkins from here in Indianapolis. Let's go! Um you know, he was so he, fun, he, Rabbi. He, he was such a competitor. Uh, he was an absolute just energizer bunny who attacked every minute he was on the floor. And yeah, he's averaging eleven point three per game, but he's had twenty point games. He can go off. So there's another guy who you really, really have to deal with. So Iowa does have guys you have to deal with. And again, they're unbeaten when they make nine or more threes per game. They are absolutely unafraid to fire from behind the arc in any game, but especially at home. And we've seen games when they've gone off against Indiana, and you just look at it and you go, how in the world are they making some of those? But (laughs) it's what they do. I mean, they just – there is no – you're talking about, you know – no conscience as far as good shot, bad shot, right. average shot. Let it, let it fly. Shots. They, 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 are, they are the epitome of, you know, rise and fire tomorrow from Gus. Jeff Rabjohns is with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and the MowerShop.com. Rabbi, you have Iowa tonight, Northwestern on the 8th. It's kind of weird. You play 9 o'clock tonight and then noon on the 8th, complete opposites of each other. But then that four-game stretch, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, I mean, that's murderer's row when it comes to just a physicality standpoint. We've already seen in this conference just how battle-tested you have to be to win a ball game and out-test somebody. Is Indiana in prime enough position to out-physical somebody and win a game that way? I don't know. I don't know, but we're going to find out. Um, you know, the, the, they handle the physicality uh, of some games. Um, you know, Xavier tried to be physical earlier in the season in the game over there in Cincinnati, and, and Indiana handled that. They didn't do a great job of it against Arizona, certainly in the game out there in Las Vegas. So I think we're going to find out. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if we know the answer right now, um, but, but we're going to find out. And, and that stretch you mentioned, you know, it, it's a key stretch. You know, I, I think they, you know, Indiana, you know, they're going to, I think they're going to beat Minnesota, you know, January 25th. Minnesota's yeah, struggling. really struggling. Yeah. Um, you know, home games, IU should do pretty well at home. Um, but you look at, at Penn State and, and at, um, at Illinois, I'm like, okay, can they get one of those? Um, if they can get one of those, I think they got a chance for a 6-3 and three January. If they don't get one of those, you know, now all of a sudden 5-4 five yeah. and, five and four comes into play, and then, you know, it's, it's that old thing of, like, it's easier to, to win a game where you're playing with a lead as far as getting a good seed in the NCAA tournament, if you're Indiana, you really want to go into February with as good of a Big Ten record as you possibly can uh, because you don't really want to go into February needing to steal some wins to solidify a good seed. Jeff Rab Johns, uh, let's go off the floor for a moment. Yesterday, viral post by Trace Jackson Davis, uh, someone who calls themselves a Hoosier fan, took the time to pen a letter about how fed up he was with his leadership, this team in general, last I checked, they're ranked 15th in the nation. 
You've spent plenty of time around Trace Jackson Davis dating back to his days as a prep player here just south of Indianapolis at Center Grove High School. Trace Jackson Davis, the person, Rabbi, who is he? Yeah, I mean, Trace grew up eight minutes from me, so I think I can say I know him and Stanley pretty well. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, here's a guy who is a competitor. Here's a guy who gave his all to his high school team. Um, didn't transfer high schools, even though plenty of prep schools tried to get him to transfer. Uh, here's a guy who has stayed at IU for four years, a guy who's you know top 10 or almost top 10 in scoring, rebounding, blocks, other categories. You know, here's a guy who gave his college its all, you know, never transferred high schools, never transferred colleges. And, and somebody thinks that they have a right to send some letter like that. I mean, who in the hell? thinks they have a right to send a nasty letter like that to somebody else's kid in college. I mean, who sends letters like that to college kids? Losers, Rabbi. Losers. Yeah. I mean, I I get the college athletes, especially, you know, basketball, football, have a lot of visibility. That's fine. They have visibility. These are still college kids. You know, I mean, I mean, would you want somebody writing a letter like that to your son or daughter while they're in college? That's I the mean, right way to look at it. Actually, thinks they can do that. I mean, it's just it, it's beyond ridiculous. It's just truly disgusting behavior. And every fan base has some people who just get unhinged and lack any sense of basic humanity or decorum. And you know, this this goofball decided to announce that he's in that group. So you know, whatever reason he did it or whatever. There's no justification for that kind of behavior ever. It is disgusting, it is revolting, and it is wrong. Jeff Rabjohns, we'll look back on Trace Jackson's legacy at IU, regardless of how this season plays out, and certainly the expectation is there will be a new high watermark for what he accomplished along with the Hoosiers on the floor later this March. To have a young man with this perspective and these leadership qualities through a very important racial inequality time period in our country through a pandemic and then on a much lighter sense through a rebuild of one of the most historic college basketball programs in America. Trace Jackson Davis will be looked at down the road, in my opinion, in an incredible light. And I hope people enjoy that the rest of the season because of what you just shared with us. So I appreciate that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, sometimes when a team isn't winning at the level of historical fan expectations, historical, you know, program uh, achievement, um, you know, sometimes players, you know, may get looked at in a certain light, but it's always good to be intelligent and be calm and be objective and look at what players have actually accomplished. And, Trace Jackson Davis is going to have one of the best careers anybody ever had at Indiana. You know, yeah. we'll see what they do this year, but, you know, maybe he doesn't go to a Final Four. Okay. Um, but that's that's more because, you know, at the end of Archie's tenure, you know, he didn't do a great job of getting much around Trace. You know, I mean. Yeah, they, they were, they were making out of the first four in the Big Ten tournament. So their yeah. expectations. I mean, there, there were there were times <laughs> under Archie where that, that's where it started. Was yeah, yeah. I use offense was throw it to Trace and pray. You know, it was basically Trace save us because we don't have enough around you. You know, that's not Trace Jackson Davis's fault. And that's that's 
fault of a previous coaching staff for not putting enough offensive weapons around him. Um, but no, he's he's absolutely given his all uh, to Indiana, and, and that should people should take the time to be intelligent, be calm, and really. Um, pay attention to what that kid has done during his college career. I mean, he's a preseason All-American. There were five guys. The preseason AP All-American team is five players, okay? So I I think people need to pay a little bit more attention to what Trace has actually accomplished. Jeff Rabjohns, always appreciate your lens on things out of Bloomington. We'll certainly be following along, pigs.com tonight. As Iowa and IU meet up in what begins what is a very exciting run potentially for Mike Woodson's second winter in charge of the Hoosiers on the bench. Robbie, best of luck uh, going forward. We'll certainly be reading and following along, partner. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, man. You guys have a great afternoon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right now, Brendan King, on the Mower Shop and Fishers Hotline, Rob Blackman, voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, the number one team in America, coming off its first loss of the season. It was a heartbreaker at Mackey earlier this week. Big shot from the Scarlet Knights moves them past Matt Painter's club. Mr. Blackman, you're heading to Columbus to see Chris Holtman. The number one objective for Matt Painter after he watched the tape against Rutgers. What's the top bullet point on Paint's game plan tonight, partner? Uh, Well, Charlie, I think if you ask the coach, he would say, be ready to play from the tip. Yeah. Purdue was not. Uh, on Monday night against Rutgers. And uh, he will be the first to tell you that because that's the first thing he said in our post-game interview with Coach Painter after the game Monday night. Uh, It's not that he didn't think the team played hard. They did play hard. Uh, It's not that they didn't have a good game plan. He felt the game plan was good. It's just that his team in the first 10 minutes of that game, really the first 20 minutes, just did not come out focused and ready to go from the jump. Sure. Which uh, has this young team found out in the Big Ten. That's that's normally going to lead to a bad result, and that's exactly what happened. Um, now you look at the second half. You know, Purdue was down 13 early in the second half, rallied all the way, came all the way back, and took the lead. But, yeah, I just think getting off to a good start is the number one key. I mean, Purdue has proven all season. Uh, I mean, obviously you're number one in the country, so you've proven that you're good <laughs> enough to beat anyone. Uh, but you've also proven with your loss Monday night that you're also just uh, just good enough to be beaten by anyone, especially in this league. Uh, so f- a full 40 minutes of concentration, uh, which is not what Purdue had, unfortunately, Monday night, and that's why Purdue lost its first game of the year. Hey, Rob, it's Brendan. Great to catch up, as always. I know this kind of same thing happened last year. You lose a close game against Rutgers, but then the way that Purdue responded a year ago, winning in overtime against NC State, pounding Butler, Incarnate Word, Nichols, and then uh, going to Wisconsin. I mean, Matt Painter has a blueprint to go off of this from last year, and it was they played well, and they got that big overtime win against NC State. So in a way, does that help a little bit that Matt Painter can look back as recently as last year and say, okay, this happened, this is how we respond? In some ways, in some ways not. Uh, Two reasons I say that, Brendan. If you remember back to that North Carolina State game, that was a neutral site game played in Brooklyn 
and Purdue was awful, and I mean awful <laughs> in the first half of that game. I mean, it looked like we were going to lose by 30. And all I, all I could think to myself is, my goodness, we finally got the number one in the country, and now we're going to lose two in a row. <laughs> now, Purdue did rally, found a way to win that game, certainly played uh, much better in the second half than the first. Uh, Travion Williams basically single-handedly saved that game for Purdue. Um, so I think what you want to make sure does not happen uh, tonight, what happened against North Carolina State, is you can't show up and or be a no-show in the first 20 minutes and be down 15 at the half. But also with that said, you know, this is such uh, – Brendan, you and, you and Charlie know that you followed our team. This is such a different-looking team than last year's ball club. Yeah. Uh, so many new faces. Uh, you know, guys like Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith and even Trey Kaufman-Wren, you know, who redshirted last year, uh, they've never been through anything like this. This yeah. is their first crack at the Big Ten. Um, and really, uh, let's be fair, this is their first crack at adversity. Purdue's had no adversity this year. Um, I mean, when you're 13-1, and one, there's not a whole lot of adversity to be found because you're winning all your games. Uh, yeah. You're number one in the country. I mean, what? so how are these young guys going to respond uh, to some adversity? To me, that's the most curious part about this game tonight. I think, I think optimistically, uh, obviously here, that Purdue's going to be okay, but I don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe they won't be. Uh, with all these new faces and young guys, that this is the first time you know going through the rigors of a Big Ten schedule. So, but to me, the number one question going into this one is: is how does how how do Purdue's younger players respond to the adversity from from losing a game Monday night? Uh, I guess I guess we'll all find out here in a, in a few hours. Yeah, Rob, we're looking forward for the double dip tonight, seven o'clock Boilers in Columbus, and then the nine o'clock trip for the Hoosiers to Iowa City. We watched Eric Hunter Jr., the Indianapolis native, have his career night last night for Butler, Rob. 23 points. The Bulldogs hang on to beat DePaul. If you're trying to slow down Zach Eady with what you just mentioned, two players in your backcourt who have not played on the road in the Big Ten, is the best path forward for opposing teams to just harass these guards and try to just deny Eady's touches by by making sure entry passes are impossible? Is that the only chance of success guarding Zach Eady? We kind of, you know, slighted him the other day. The guy had 19 and 16. It just feels like when he has the ball, good things are going to happen for Purdue. Just the the probability there is have skyrocketed. How, How do you handle that if you're an opposing coach? I would say for now, Charlie, the book on Purdue is if the ball is thrown inside, and we've seen this a bunch. Uh, we certainly saw it with Rutgers. If the ball is thrown inside to Zach, double-team him, triple-team him, get the ball out of his hands, mm-hmm. and then take your chances that Purdue's not going to make open shots because yeah. Purdue has not done that. Uh, Purdue is shooting 30% from three, which is one of the worst percentages in the Big Ten, which is a complete surprise to everyone, including Matt Painter, mm. because he, he, even to this second, believes that this is going to end up being a really good perimeter shooting team. And I would tend to believe them. If you look at the guys that are taking the shots, they're they're the right guys. It's yeah. the guys that are supposed to be taking them. They're just not making them. Uh, now, the next logical question is, well, you're 14 games into the season. At what point are you are you are what you are? Yeah. Right? At what, yep. what point are you are, are is this truly a 30 percent shooting team from three? I don't think it is. But you know, we get four or five more games into the season, and it's still at 30 percent. You're not you're not going to be able to give an argument for why you're not. A bad shooting team. Rob, so Rob, me, not to cut you off, Brandon Newman, one of the two players, along with Braden Smith, above 35% from three. 
Does yeah. his role increase if this trend continues? How do you fix that in the short term? Yeah, I, I think the only way you fix it, uh, Charlie, is you just keep your fingers crossed that the right guys are taking those shots yeah. and they're eventually going to fall. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer is 32% from three, and I can promise you he's a much better three-point shooter than that. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, he has not been to this point in the season. Mason Gillis, 35%. Caleb First, 32%. Both of those guys last year were over 40% from three. Ethan Morton was over 40% from three last year. He's at 24% right now. So it's not like you just forget how to shoot. I mean, these guys know how to shoot. David Jenkins Jenkins Jr. is probably the most interesting case in in all of this. He comes into the season, uh, as far as returning players in Division I college basketball, having made the fifth most uh, three-point shots of anyone in all the country. He's a sixth-year player. And how many schools has he played at, Rob? Yeah, four. four. Yeah, it's nuts. Career but a career three-point gunner. He yeah. knows how to make threes. But right now he's at 20%. Yeah. So, again, it's not like these guys just forget how to shoot all of a sudden. Um, so, again, you just keep your fingers crossed that, okay, we know these guys are good shooters. When is it going to come around? As I said a moment ago, you're almost halfway through the season. <laughs> so if it doesn't start coming around soon, maybe we need to change our tune. But but for now, I'll just I'll go with the old fingers crossed and hope this thing gets turned around here. Rob, as you were getting prepping for this one tonight in Columbus against number 24, Ohio State, I think everybody knows what Chris Holtman and his teams bring to the table. I definitely know that from my alma mater. But in your prep for tonight, what stands out most about them? Well, two things. Uh, Much different game than Rutgers because when you play Rutgers, you're so worried about their smothering defense and how you're going to score against them. When you play Ohio State, you're figuring out, trying to figure out how in the world do you keep them from scoring. Uh, they're top 10 in the country in scoring 81 points a game, um, shoot nearly 50% from the floor as a team, good free throw shooting team. And they also rebound at a high clip. You know, they're uh, Purdue's number one in the country in rebounding. They're, they're number 11 in the country in rebounding as far as rebound margin. So offensively, uh, not only are they able to score the ball and shoot it well, but even when they miss, the chances are they're getting their own rebound and they're going to get another crack at it. Right. So two, th- two things, you need to, A, keep them off the glass, and number two, you have to find a way to, to not allow them to just get open horse shots um, because if you do, they're making them. I mean, we're talking about Purdue's poor shooting percentage from three. Uh, that is not the case for these guys. I mean, Thornton, 46% from three, and he's a freshman. Um, Sinsenbaugh, 47% from three, he's a freshman. So these dudes, they aren't struggling to shoot the ball from three like Purdue is. So that's the beauty of the Big Ten, right? You really never know. <laughs> no. One week, you're trying to slow down a team that you know is excellent on defense, <laughs> best in the country. Next game, you're trying to figure out a team that's best in the country on offense. Um, so, But, yeah, how are you going to slow these guys down? That, that's the big key for Purdue tonight. Find a way to slow Ohio State down. Four Buckeyes averaging double-figure scoring efforts each night. It's going to be a game, as usual, as Blackman, Rob Blackman, excuse me, joins us here on the Motor Shop Hotline. Charlie Clifford, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. Zach Eady behind the scenes, Rob. All of the spotlight is on the seven foot four big man. Such a nice story. We've told it time and time again here of just how preposterous it is that he finds himself now as the top player in college basketball. Any tidbits that you've gathered behind the scenes about this young man, how he's handled this sort of attention here in the early going this season? 
Yes. Do not get behind him in the buffet line at the team meeting. <laughs> What's that plate looking like? Well, you mean plates. Yeah. This guy yeah. Like How many can plates. he carry? Like two on the forearms, one on each hand? Is it three on each side? That would yeah, feel like it would be enough. Literally, the rest of the team gets up and leaves <laughs> after the pregame meal. 30 minutes later, he's still there eating. Um, <laughs> I, I, w- I would just say this. This is a guy that averaged four points a game as a senior in high school. Think about this now. You're seven foot four. You, you rarely play as a senior in high school. You get four points a game. You have very few high major offers. And then Purdue comes in. Matt Painter says, hey, I think I see something in you athletically. I think all you need is just a little bit of seasoning. Um, and remember, he's only played organized basketball for five years. Yeah. So he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a kid who played AAU basketball in the second grade. No, for all of us and, church league ballers out there, Zach Eady was among us, okay? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. And he'd have been We're not a exaggerating guy. here. Right. You, four years ago, you, he'd been the big clumsy guy that everyone made fun <laughs> of and said, man, what's, what's wrong with you? But now you look at what he's doing. Uh, leads the Big Ten in scoring and rebounds and block shots. Uh, is certainly in the conversation for National Player of the Year. Uh, the one thing he has going for him, and he has a number of things going for him, but one of them is he truly is devoted and dedicated to becoming the best player he can be. I mean, he's... He Rob, is really he is so locked in. I have I have seen very few players... I have never seen Zach Eady rattled for more than two or three seconds after call. He's an assassin out there. And his pregame routine is unlike any I've ever seen. What He's is always it? the first first guy to get up shots um, before anyone else. Uh, after the, sh- the shoot-around on game day, he stays after and gets up shots. Um, he just I, – I, number one, he's a really good athlete, and that's probably what a lot of folks don't understand. Uh, 295 pounds. I mean, the guy played hockey and baseball and was a pitcher. He's a very good athlete. He just doesn't look it because he's seven foot four, 295. But you give that kind, that guy with that kind of size, uh, that natural athleticism, he's going to learn rather quickly. His learning curve is going to be uh, very uh, accelerated, and it has been. And you can tell that now that he's focused on basketball only, just how far he's come. And to me, I would say this guy's think how much further he can still go for a guy that's only played five years of basketball. Rob, Rob, any question in your mind, he'll be able to shoot the three someday with consistency? Is there any doubt? I would say that day is coming, yes, just because of the work he puts into it. Absolutely, Charlie. Um, But yeah, and look, what a luxury to have. I mean, my goodness, 7'4", 295, can score with both hands, very athletic, uh, can can guard when needed, uh, is a rim protector, um, and is and is your hardest worker on your team? Yeah, I mean that's all business. That's a hell of a combination right there. <laughs> it's it's a unicorn. We're watching. Yes, we are watching the unicorn in college basketball, Brendan. Guys, could you imagine if you were an average high school baseball player like me? I'm hitting 150. I can't buy a hit. You step up, and here's Zach Eady on the mound. He's just fired in. I, I might just tell the umpire to call me out on strikes. The fellas. back I mean, of my cleats are going to be all white because the front of my toes yes. are going to be on the very edge of that batter's <laughs> box waiting, hopefully, for four balls. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Rob Blackman is with us, the voice of the Boilermakers on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the Mowershop.com. Rob, we talk about Matt Painter a lot and he deserves all the hype that he gets, but that the assistant coach that I want to talk about 
for what he does defensively as a guy I know well again was a longtime assistant at Butler Terry Johnson um, who has been the defensive coordinator at Purdue now for a number of years just the effort that Purdue is putting in defensively and what we especially saw from them around Thanksgiving when they beat West Virginia Gonzaga Duke holding Gonzaga to 66 points holding Duke to 56 points what has Terry Johnson done most especially for the young guys coming in defensively because the freshmen it looks like they're playing solid defense when really that's a struggle for most freshmen in college basketball yeah and certainly Terry's been a huge part of that and and Paul Lusk and and, and Brandon Brantley all those assistants are a big part of that but you're right Terry Johnson has been a I mean what a great find uh, for Matt Painter and you know the re- one of the reasons Terry Johnson is at Purdue uh, is because of his uh, his relationship um, with with guys like Brad Stevens and Micah Shrewsbury yeah. who are all close friends with Matt Painter and who all put in a good word for him and certainly Coach Painter was aware of Terry and, and his assistant coaching time at Butler and, and right here at Ohio State quite frankly um, but yeah just another he, he's just another high rising assistant coach who's going to have a head coaching job very very soon uh, no different than Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, no different than Conzo Martin ended up with a head coaching job. No different than Paul Lusk, quite frankly, who who went the first time he was at Purdue, left here to get a head coaching job. It just goes on and on down the line. You know, if you're an assistant under Matt Painter, you're probably going to be a head coach really soon. Steve Lutz, the same thing. Yep. Um, Matt's always done a great job of surrounding himself with extremely, extremely talented up-and-coming assistant coaches, even though he knows he's not going to have them very long. These guys are <laughs> yeah, good. they're, they're going to be sooner rather than later. <laughs> right, but, uh, but that's okay. I mean, you'd rather have them for two or three years than zero years, right? So, but yes, you're right. Terry's a huge part of it, and it's funny you mention him because he's he's been a busy guy on this trip. He has so many friends over here in Columbus, obviously from coaching at Ohio. Yeah, State. you got to kill two birds with one stone, right? Oh man, he's been uh, visiting friends here at the hotel and. Uh, he has a family here because they, you know, they obviously knew a bunch of families when they lived here. So he's uh, he's a busy guy on this trip, that's for sure. Rob Blackman, we appreciate you joining us. Best of luck tonight for the Boilers, Rob. I always smile thinking about the late great Larry Clisby smiling down, certainly giving the commentary up above about the big man Zach Eady. We'll never forget what you did for the Cliz down the stretch as as he was finishing what was an incredible career and uh, all the best to you going forward. All right, partner. Well, thank you for saying that. I want to add this. Uh, whenever we play the Buckeyes, it's always a little bit extra special because Cliz was born and raised in Northeast Ohio. Right. And he loved to play the Buckeyes. This was the game he always circled on the calendar. So I do appreciate you mentioning him tonight because he will be watching from above with, with a very, uh, very focused eye tonight. That is for certain. On that note, bullseye. We're out of here with Rob Blackman. <laughs> Best of luck, Rob. We'll be watching tonight, all right? Okay, Brendan, Charlie, thank you, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One of the top stories in mid-major hoops in college basketball is right here in the Hoosier State. Welcome back to The Fan, 93.5107.5. Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, Ball State, alums across Indianapolis and central Indiana. You have a ball game to watch tomorrow night, and that is as the Cardinals return home. Akron is in. 
8.30 tip, CBS Sports Network, head coach of the Cards, Michael Lewis, former star out of Jasper, Indiana, second all-time leading assist man under Bob Knight. Mike Lewis, you're in the locker room after beating Toledo to pick up your sixth straight win earlier this week, Tuesday night. It was a nationally televised game. You're walking into that locker room to address this young team, which you just inherited this offseason. What's going through your mind? Well, you're you're proud of them for the way that they they played and competed, and and um, to open up conference play on the road at at uh, one of the teams that was, you know, believed and picked, um, and I think they're very deserving uh, at the top of the league to walk out of there with a win. Obviously, you're very proud of those guys, but um, you know, as you're developing a culture and and a, a way of doing things, um, you know, we we had to remind those guys like, did you expect? to do something different, you yeah. know, and, and, and all their answers were no, like we, we expected to come in here and play well. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about changing the mindset of, of how you do things and, and how you operate. And, um, then you quickly remind them like, we're going to enjoy this tonight. It's going to be a good bus ride home. You know, that, that post game, <laughs> that, that post game meal is going to taste a little bit better, <laughs> right. you know, cold, cold on the bus. Um, but we got 17 more of these things, you know, and, 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 uh, if we want to become the program that we want to become, we got to continue to, um, prepare in a way that allows us to have nights like we had on on Tuesday. Mike, we followed your story. I was up at your introductory press conference in Muncie. There was a change of tone from the first answer of that press conference. I spoke with a couple of players after the first practice and their response is, oh boy, this is a little different around here now. Your biggest change when you're on the sidelines, when you're moving around now as a head coach, how do you describe the difference between being a top assistant at the college game at the highest level at a program like UCLA and now being the lead voice, the lead you know, face of a program back in your home state? What has it been like so far, Mike? Well, I think you know, my, my role is different, but the, the expectation um, of where I've been um, – you know that that hasn't changed. You know we still expect to to compete and and to win, um, and to do all the things that it takes to win. You know all, all the small things like sure. the willingness to prepare, the you know to show up every day and practice and to do your job. Um, you know the the no excuses. You know the the toughness that it takes. Um, you know day in and day out to do what it is that these guys are doing on a daily basis, um, and. and you know, to, to do the things that it takes to put yourself in a position to then enjoy um, the results, which is you know the winning. The winning is simply <laughs> in, in, in our in our in my mind and the guys that I've worked for. Like winning is simply a byproduct of, of doing all the other things sure. that it takes. And, and we're starting to um, you know get that you know you're seeing those roots kind of take take hold here um, within our program. But um, you know you you've also got to you've got to balance it. You know, the old saying, like, you know, um, peacock today, feather duster tomorrow. Is that a night line? No, no, that's not a, that's not a night line. It, right. it, it come, it, you know, it comes from the great Darren Savino. I, I worked with it at UCLA and, and <laughs> Mick and, um, you know, but it, it's just like, especially in today's world with, with the social media and, and all that, you know, like, you know, I told him like, as we were getting on, on the bus on the way home from Toledo, like, 
you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's a little bit more popular. I know my phone was buzzing a little bit more. Yeah, man. And you and you pick yeah. up some new friends because you played on national TV and 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 you played well and you won. Like, you just remember who texts you after we lost Indiana State. Hey, y'all. You know, re- remember yeah. who texts you. Uh, I love it when we got beat on the last second shot at Duquesne. Respond to everybody, but make sure you respond to those people first. Mm-hmm. You know that that phone was pretty dry those nights. You know, <laughs> and so like it just like hey, we got it. We got to keep a a very even keel and and let the the fans and everybody ride the the emotional roller coaster. We just have to continue to to try to improve um, who we are to become who we want to be. Coach Lou, it's Brendan. Great to catch up as always. Last time you were on the show, you were getting ready to take on Illinois State in the Indy Classic, which won 83-69. Just talking about that event, uh, going up against Ryan Peden, a guy you worked with together at Butler. Uh, did that win really set you on the pace that you're on now? You know, I, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think, you know, whenever you, um, you know, I think we kind of got started um, – you know, we played. We came back from the Bahamas after losing on a last-second shot to San Jose State, and we went to Pittsburgh and played Duquesne uh, and played pretty well. And we a guy threw in a shot from the hash mark um, that beat us. And you know, we I was proud of the way we responded when we when we traveled over and, and played Eastern Illinois and then came back home uh, and played well against Evansville. Um, to, to put ourselves in a position to, to play well against Illinois State, like we've, you know, we're, we've we've won different ways. I think yeah. one of the things that I'm most proud of as a coach is we've, you know, we've won ninety eighty three, like we did the other night, <laughs> and, and we've won fifty eight fifty four. There you go, Georgia Southern. So a little rock you know, fight. Yeah, not not every not every team is is built or designed that way and i think we we've got an opportunity and and we've got a team that um as we're learning how to defend and and take pride in that end of the floor uh have the ability to win in different ways this is the mower shop out of fisher's hotline mike lewis head coach of the ball state cardinals six straight wins for ball state akron's coming to worthen tomorrow night go pack it up in muncie boogie coleman coach cathedral star here Jason Delaney has built an absolute monster in Indianapolis. And after going to Missouri for a year, coming back, Boogie in that second half, as you mentioned post game, that was as impressive as a performance as I, I think you'll see at any guard spot for that spurt, a couple threes attacking the rim. Describe to me the swagger Boogie plays with. To me, coach, I'm seeing flashes of a guy who has an attitude that is very similar to Russell Westbrook that is always in attack mode. He can pop it, man. I think he's wearing the head. It looks like he's almost dressing each night like he is Russ out there. How do you see it from your seat? He seems like a very unique young man. Well, he he is a unique young man. Um, you know, I don't I don't know comparing any college athlete to no. Westbrook is is real fair. <laughs> just from <laughs> I mean, a swagger yeah, standpoint, yeah. like I, mean, I don't I, I think if you this. told the guy like, yeah, hey, you you aren't Russ, account. he'd be like, yeah, you know, I like, am. <laughs> let's just start with the bank accounts, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Russ is at yeah. a at a career, but but um, you know, I you know, Boogie is is I really enjoy coaching Boogie. You know, obviously he's a talented kid. Um, you know he. Like you said, he he put us on his back there for a segment of the second half that uh, put us in a position to to win, and we made plays down the stretch. Um, you know, he, he's he's got the ability. Um, you know, he, he he's he's an alpha male. You know, he's got a, he's got a loud voice, um, and he's learning um, how to use that in a, in the right way. Um, he's got a, you know, a loud personality on the court. He's got a loud game. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's learning how to, um, Channel use it. that yeah. to impact winning. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when winning becomes the most, when winning becomes more important than anything else, um, then you've you've got an opportunity to become a really good player. I think he's becoming more efficient as a scorer, which is something I I try to keep. Um, you know, just pounding into his head. You know, I, I think, you know, as he becomes the player that we want him to be, like that's that's got to be a step. You know, he's right. really cut cut down on his turnovers. I think his shot selection has improved, and I think because of that, you're seeing him play at a higher level. And and um, you know, the exciting thing with him and our team is I still see a lot of growth. You know, if you're yeah. sitting here on January 5th and you're like, man, we're we're tapped out, <laughs> right? You know, right. You're, you're sweating it. But, you probably wouldn't um, tell me that, would you, coach? No, but we're, we're but, you know, and I'm being honest. I think we. Can get a lot better and if we don't I'll be really disappointed you know but um, you know it, the, these guys like I said from the beginning they've been a really good group of guys to work with um, their buy-in's been unbelievable um, so from a coaching standpoint it's it's really good to see them see some of those those rewards but you also you know got to remind yourself like I said we got yeah. 17 more of these before it's we January get to 5th tournament. it's January right. 5th everybody hey Mike Lewis we appreciate you taking some time after practice we'll all be watching tomorrow night again Akron heading to Muncie Ball State going for seven straight if you haven't seen Jalen Sellers shoot the ball if you haven't seen Peyton Sparks dunk it it's worth it whether you're an alum or not Mike Lewis we're wishing you all the best here in January all right all right thank you I appreciate it